Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to the new Monday edition of Nurses Out Loud Q&A with the nurses. I have with me today Nurse Jody and Nurse Kimberly. And you, this is Nurse Michelle hosting you today with Q&As. If you do not know how to send us a question, you can go to americaoutloud.news and then choose the Nurses Out Loud show. And at the top, you'll see our photograph and you will see an option to send us an email. We're going to be having Q&As every Monday and we hope that you'll be able to get your questions in and yours will be able to make it to the show. So we'll let you know if yours makes it to the show so you can be sure to tune in. And um, we won't be using any last names, just the first names and reading what you have sent to us. And we will do our best at trying to answer your questions so today I'm going to start with uh, reading a person's that is here. It's it's long and I am going to use it because this one is an older show that somebody apparently listened to recently where I actually dealt with child molestation and Nurses Out Loud is going to be dealing with really any topic that's possible that has to do with the human body, the spirit, the soul, the emotions, the psyche, anything about the human experience. Because obviously, as nurses, we realize that patients aren't just an organ that we're taking care of, like the disjointed medical system has turned into today, where you just go see your cardiologist and if you happen to have a problem with another part of your body, that's not his organ, so you're not going to get any help there usually when you are talking about other body parts with the subspecialties that are out there today. But nurses that are out there listening and nursing students try, are wanting to be nurses realize that we are wanting to take care of our patients holistically and that they are more than just what they may have just come into the emergency room with. They could be a victim of domestic abuse. That's why we ask questions that we try to elicit that. And sometimes I need more than just a social worker coming in. There may be some knowledge that you have that you're going to glean on. And on this particular show that I did, the child molestation story was because I was at church. I have a church with a couple of thousand people in it. And right in front of me during the church service, a young mother who had about a five or six-year-old daughter and maybe a little book that was a little under two years old with her in church. And in the middle of church, she released the little girl to just go by herself out this gigantic long aisle out into the foyer to go find herself to the bathroom. And she never actually returned during the entire service. And by the end of it, the mother started turning around and um, looking both ways. And my daughter, who was beside me, is we both had the exact same visceral reaction when it happened. We um, both looked at each other like she did not just let her five-year-old just walk out of here, did she? Like we read each other's minds. And after the service was over, I warned my family that, you know, Nurse Michelle was going into action. And I went up to her and said, 
um, hey, I noticed you let your little girl go out to go to the bathroom during church. And she's like, yes, I did. And I said, do you think this is a safe place for your daughter to do that? And she said, absolutely. I said, well, it is not. There, There is no such place. This place is most definitely not safe. And she was just shocked that I would say something like that. And I said, there is most certainly a predator here, even though this church is doing what it can, that if there is an identified predator, he's not supposed to be here. But there's somebody who hasn't been found yet who is waiting for a mother to do just what you just did. And sadly, if something did happen to your daughter just now back in the bathroom, um, you may not even hear about it till she's 18 or 20 years old when, she, you know, something starts acting out, some kind of issue starts showing. So we had a li- nice long talk and I dealt with that on that show. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes if you haven't heard it, because all of us are trying to be great moms. She didn't she wasn't being a bad mom. You know, it wasn't a bad mom moment. It was just a moment where a younger mother needed an older mother who has lived longer and seen some terrible things happen to her own family members and herself that um, I didn't want to make. I wanted to make sure this mom was awake to it. So this particular reader that sent in this question, ladies, is responding to that particular show, just to give you all a heads up in case you did not hear the show, too. And this is the name is Cindy, who is sending this into Nurses Out Loud. And she says, I heard Nurse Michelle's talk on child molestation. A family from a small church have adopted three children and they already had three. One of the adopted daughters, the mother of, uh, I'm going to change the names for the story, Abigail, the mother of Abigail, a sweet teen of mixed race, told me she was molested. They don't make any secret of this, which I wondered about how this makes Abigail feel. The birth parents were on drugs and the father is in jail. The grandmother lives in the neighborhood and houses Abigail. The grandmother, Kathy, told me there was some problems and that's why she's being housed separately from the other siblings. And recently, Kathy told me they sent Abigail to summer camp for two whole months so she could, quote, be with other mixed children, those who look like her and have similar problems as her own. I go on bike rides with Abigail, and I mentioned to her recently that I also was adopted and how it's important to break off any generational curses. This writer goes on to say, there is a deliverance ministry two hours away from here, but I don't know if this family would embrace that as our church is opposed to charismatic churches. So in other words, this person believes that going to somewhere that does deliverance ministry is in a category of charismatic churches that this person isn't even sure if she can actually guide them to. And the next thing she says is, but the mom is now anti-vax and eating holistically so i think would be open to learning from your experience she works part-time as a physical therapist for children she homeschools the children and they go part-time to a homeschool co-op the dad is a successful contractor my question based on your experience of helping others what steps do parents of children who have been molested need to follow any recommendations and god bless you nurses y'all are heroes of mine so ladies that is a mouthful um that is quite a bit there and it is intimate it is personal um child molestation does happen as y'all know one in every four females are molested before experience some kind of sexual offense to them before they are 18 years old in america in america so 
we know this is more common than we realize and knowing what to do about it is certainly um, one of the hard things for Christians and just medical professionals in general to know what to do. Do y'all have something you'd like to share first before I share my opinions on this? Um, you know, I just want to, I'll say that just the importance of keeping an open dialogue with your children and with you know, really with the, your community, with your neighbors, you just have to keep the lines of communication open. And I think it's so important for uh, people who have been victims of molestation to come out and share their stories as difficult as that may be. I think it's so important um, because it, it can't be dirty, uh, somebody's dirty little secret anymore. Because like you said, Michelle, it happens more often um, than, than we'd like to admit. And it's probably happened to even, even higher number than, than you stated. Um, and I think that there is a lot of healing. It's very cathartic for people to talk about that with other victims and just realizing that they're not alone. So keeping those lines of communication uh, open, I think is, is incredibly important. Yeah. What about you, Jody? Yes. Yeah, I yeah, I remember, you know, when I had Benjamin, my youngest, um, 15 years apart, his uh, aunt said that she doesn't let her kids spend the night at friends houses and stuff. And I was like, really? She said, no, I would never let my kids um, spend the night at all. And I'm like, oh, wow, that that was kind of strange to me because I mean, I guess as a, you know, young teenage mom, you know, my kids, that was, <laughs> I loved it. You know what I mean? Right. They would, I was friends, we were on the PTA, you know, I mean, you name it. And they, yeah. So, um, but I realized that after that, that molestation is a much more prevalent than we even care to you know, even remember as a society and, as, you know, I mean, and it's not even just older adults or older teenagers to younger kids or anything like that, but it's, you know, kids that are kind of very close in age that it can happen to as well. And, um, yeah, definitely yeah. have communication. Yeah. Uh, when we started looking for a new church, trying to find what I called a safe church to raise females in, um, a lot of the churches would um, kind of grimace at me like, "Why? what would make you think my church isn't safe for a female? And I had a list of things that made it clear to them what I thought would be those risks. But um, what I have learned as a woman who's now more than half of 100 years old is that um, some of the most conservative places where you think you're going to be the safest are actually the most attractive to somebody, let's say like a narcissist who's looking for a future wife. He would want to find a church that actually preaches submission to men so prevalently that he knows that this woman's had ingrained into her head that he's she's going to be his um, victim easily, an easy person to possibly marry. And people don't even think of something like that. Or they think that, oh, because I'm in a conservative church or because I'm in a church, there isn't going to be a predator here when that is actually where a predator would hope you would be not keeping an eye on your child or where your child is going to be. You're finally there, a mom at home. You're getting a chance to have some fellowship with moms. You don't know where your child is because they're a plane and they're not in eyesight. 
And as I said to this mother, I said, you know, if you and I are sitting here talking in this sanctuary, you see those doors that are exiting the room right now. I said, your kids need to be put through like a training session that says, you know, you can have as much fun as you want to in this room as long as I can see you and you can see me. Y'all play and um, you can't go outside those doors. And if you go to the bathroom, you always need to have somebody with you. I actually raised my kids the same way with um, that rule that you were told, Jody that I really didn't want them to be spending the night overnight until they were older and they had good grounding on what they actually thought. I would pick them up at 11 o'clock or midnight, let them have as much fun as they wanted to with the group of kids if the fun was going to have like a movie up until 11 p.m. or something that wasn't cozy pajamas sleepover night. And there was an older person that once said to me, nothing good happens after midnight. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting concept to say that when I look back as myself as a teenage girl or a middle school girl, when we did sleepovers, those would be some of the times right after midnight when everybody's still saying, let's stay up all night and talk, that I heard some of the most shocking things and most innocent stealing stories of my life, right? And Well, and you know, remember with the, the deliverance, the pastor that we met, oh, yeah. uh, Pastor Dave, and how he was talking that the witching hour happens. Midnight to um, 2 a.m. Midnight to 2 a.m. And even when he said that. Stop. I've always heard that nothing good happens after midnight, you know? Yeah. And that the people that are. Look at the gremlins, man. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) That is so funny that you say that because there is an 80s. There is a um, 80s influencer out there that all she deals with is what it was like to be an 80s kid, a kid that grew up in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And she actually has a hilarious video on the gremlin. She's like, listen, we are so tough. And she goes through all the horrible things that actually happened in that gremlins movie that we watched as kids that, you know, we actually had to survive a night not believing gremlins were under our beds or inside. Our <laughs> right. You know what's really sad, though? I'm telling you. So I've recently learned this, that the. the this younger generation, like they probably don't even know what we're talking about. If we talk about gremlins or, you know, feeding them after midnight, they don't even get it. So if you want to feel old, start making oh, references to 80 films. 80 oh films. yeah. That <laughs> is really so funny. And, you know, my 16 year old just told me he wanted to do something that most of the other kids didn't ever even ask because they knew the answer was no, but he's, he's living a different life than they are because he's the only one home right now. And he's like, Oh mom, I'm going to, we're going to do this horror night where we're going to go to this horror thing in the woods. And, I said, well, you know, if you if you're determined to do that, um, I'm going to also make you do this other one that's in town, too, that has a whole different message that looks at it from a different perspective. So whatever boys go to that one, you tell them that we got two fun things we're doing. We're going to do the other one as well because it has a different perspective. And a lot of people are getting on the social media right now saying you know, if you do open yourself up to, let's say, watching The Exorcist or movies like that, I honestly could never um, make it through those kind of movies. If you want to do that, you're basically open. The words they were using is you're opening up a a portal to the dark side, essentially, that you don't Mm -hmm. even know what you're inviting into your house or your mind or your life. And I'm like yeah. with Ouija boards, right? Like the Ouija boards were right. not allowed in the home. No, no Ouija boards. Uh-huh. I don't care if it said, you know, Milton Bradley on the box or whatever it was, Parker Brothers, whoever. Like not you a would game. not, it's not a game and you do not bring a Ouija board into my home. That was forbidden. You're here with us doing uh-huh. Q&A. You'll always have a couple of us here and maybe some guests doing the Q&As on Monday. It's our new fun thing we're going to be doing because so many of you are reaching out to us and we want to fulfill 
answering these questions. And um, though we did just kind of go off on a tangent because of the gremlins, the point is, is that raising (laughs) kids, raising children does bring up a lot of things. And first of all, and foremost is we, we are not perfect parents. We're all learning as we go. And for the most part, no matter what you read before you had a child, most people, you know, haven't read this massive glossary on how to be a perfect parent as if that exists. But the reality is, is no matter, I I was very protective of my first two, particularly because I was so afraid of certain things that had happened to me. I didn't want them to happen to them. And I homeschool 29 year homeschooler. I think in some degree, all parents are trying to protect their kids from whatever they may have had happen to them. We want to make sure we do it. But in my best attempt to protect, let's say my oldest daughter, who's now 33 years old, I lived on 15 acres and had this lovely piece of property with trails all over it. Nowhere you would think, and she was homeschooled. She didn't go to places where people were going to show her pornography. And yet Somebody on our long dirt road threw out of their car that went over my fence and landed in Redbud Lane that was this most beautiful place right where my daughter went on trail walks every day, a gigantic, um, uh, some kind of pornography magazine. And you would think, okay, this kid is raised conservative. She's going to come running to mom and tell her. But that's not the way it happens because it's going to immediately appeal to your child's fleshly feelings. And she was like a teenager, like a 12, 13-year-old at that time. And her response was to hide it and tuck it away inside of a hole in a tree so that every day when she walked again, she could actually look at that again. And it would not be until another kid found it that it all came out and it was exposed and I had to confront it then. And another way that she was exposed to porn on the Internet was she used to write letters to President Bush every month. And so she would send a letter to the president, was quite determined to do it. And I just allowed her to do it because that was her mindset. She went on to be like a person who pursued legal things and politics and stuff like that. So it matched her personality. But one particular month, we did not get the letter out. And so she asked if she could go to the White House website and send an email to the White House website. But it was date night. I had an adult woman that was keeping my kids that night. And I said, well, she has to get you on the Internet and let her set you up. And once she's got you set up, you can send your letter that you'd already written. Well, my daughter didn't put in whitehouse.gov. Who would know, right? This is many, many years ago. She put in white whore? Whitehouse.com. Oh, I thought it was (laughs) H-O-R. So it literally, yeah, right. Who knows what that has. (laughs) So what my daughter saw, she told us when we got home what she saw, and she looks back at it like a, a molestation, like a rape almost. Because when I looked at that website that my um, then 12-year-old daughter saw, it was every, I was a woman in my late thirties at that time, had never seen such kind of part. It was bestiality, all live action on the front page, every group things going on. It was actually the most shocking porn I'd ever seen. And that's what my 12 year old saw as a first time exposed to porn. So in my best attempt to protect my child, she didn't do it. And here we've got a, a person from a family member saying, you know, I've, it's come to my attention that this family member has a, molested child in their family. How do we deal with this? She wants to tell them about deliverance ministries, but as a person who's had to look into that kind of thing, it's not that easy. And some of the deliverance ministries that are out there for a very conservative group, um, the person who's asking is Cindy could be extremely terrifying for a child. And I'm speaking to that as somebody who's been as an adult to some groups like that, that, um, you know, if they're not used to having somebody speak in tongues or something like that, it could really frighten a child. 
You know, I'll I'll say something to that effect. Like I grew up in a spirit filled church. So speaking in tongue, laying of hands, deliverances, um, you know, happened not frequently, but I remember probably a good, you know, I don't know, 5% of the time or something. It was pretty low, but there's also power in prayer. There's power in coming in and laying hands on her and anointing her with oil. Like we don't have to have a huge like production. Do you see, you know what I'm saying? Right. I was, I was actually reading scripture this morning and Oh, I think it's something like Jesus said, like, you don't have to pray like the, you know, some, you know, repeating themselves. And it's a, it's a scripture like it's Luke 23. Is that where the Lord's prayer is? I'm not sure. Um, I think it's a Matthew for some reason, but, but we can. Yeah. But, but it's right. It's right prior to right prior to um, our father who art in heaven. It's like leading up to the next, uh, the first few paragraphs. Now, having said that, I know that there is, um, I don't know. I mean, I've never had like a deliverance ministry similar to like what Dr. Stella has, or, you know, um, I've never been there in person. Mm-hmm. I, but from what I've heard, there's like reciting of, um, prayer, like over yeah. and over and over and over and over again. And for me, I just feel like the Lord works for those who believe and who reach out, you know, and having, yeah, I mean, I would say, pray for her, put your hands on her, right. you know, tell the Lord, say like, get out of here, Satan, you know, there's scripture to that effect as well, where yes. devil tell, or Jesus tells the devil, devil, the, you know, get back up, you know? So yes, and she, she addresses the generational curses aspect as well. And, you know, we don't, there's probably a lot more presumption that a child that's coming from an adoption situation is possibly likely to get more generational curses than maybe yourself. But the reality is, is that if you actually dig deep enough in your own family history, those that are out there that are interested in doing, looking up your generations and trying to find out your family tree, because that's your thing. You, you'll find some shocking stories out there that you may actually have some yourself coming through your family. It's not just people who didn't get to stay with their biological families. It's not like only adopted kids have unique stories that are um, that are in need of a deliverance ministry. And definitely if you're a victim of child abuse of any kind, there's a need for counseling. And in my view, it's trying to find a good sound Christian counselor because we did have a daughter who had a brain injury and finding a counselor that was equipped to deal with a brain injury, because if you have a brain injury, whether it be a actual something physical has happened to the brain or whether you've gone through an experience and you have PTSD because of that experience or you have some kind of um, anxiety or some kind of depression because of whatever you went through, the counselor that doesn't come from a Christian worldview, if you're a Christian family, let me tell you from experience, is going to subvert everything about your belief system And literally almost always direct that person toward only medication, only pharmaceuticals versus dealing with the actual problem and how they can cope with the memory of what they can't change. So, Cindy, that's I I would leave that with you is to do the help them find good quality counseling for that person. And something else you mentioned, Cindy, was that because the mom is now anti-vax and that she's eating holistically, that she might be more open to it. That is kind of funny that. 
Uh, I think it's Dr. Robert Scott Bell who says as the nurses start waking up to how the allopathic community was, what do we seem to do after that? We start hating on vaccines and we start hating on it. We're, <laughs> right. we're not for food that comes in crackly bags anymore. <laughs> so it's probably true, Cindy, that it's very likely that she may be actually more open because her mind is um, opening up to new things to help herself. And she's already a homeschooler. And as a person who's 29 years in the homeschool community, yeah, you're already part of the uh, the subculture of the country that already doesn't go with the tide and does, you know, you're going against the tide. So that's true. And sadly, it is true that a lot of people think that if I just raise my kid in a Christian home, whatever came from that previous experience from an adopted situation, maybe that's just going to fix everything when actually there needs to be a lot more intensive, like Jody was mentioning, that, you know, intensive prayers. Because when I went to Dr. Stella Emanuel's um, camp that she had, which was, you know, uh, preachers coming from Africa to pre- preach there and speak, and it was just a profoundly moving experience. They had specific prayers that we had to do for like an entire hour that were repeating specific words over and over again. But the first time you would say it, it would specifically be for yourself. Then it would be for like a loved one in your house or all your kids. And you would just keep continuing to mention them. And by the time you're finished saying all the people you care about and we're moving on to the next prayer, you really feel like you have tapped into a spiritual realm that's um, more than just maybe a dry prayer would have been otherwise. So I agree with you on that, that that's wonderful. So we actually, that particular question took up our first half. So we will go ahead and break and then deal with some more questions after the break. But I want to just remind everybody that we have the AmericaOutloud.shop where you can find wonderful products, not only products to help you be nutritionally healthy, but also to protect you during the COVID and flu season that's coming up. And Cofix RX is one of those products where you have the iodine nasal spray and throat spray. And then you also have a lot of the supplements and vitamins that are being put out by TWC and also by Dr. Artis's group with Dr. Jana Schmidt and Dr. Henry Ely as well. So be sure to check those out and we will get right back to these questions right after the break. It's time and this is World-class care from doctors you can trust. All from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. 
We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud Q&A on Monday with Nurse Michelle, Nurse Jody, and Nurse Kimberly. So we left off with me finishing up a pretty heavy question from a, a reader that had um, a serious heavy thing, but Jody has a question from somebody that's not quite as intense. So we'll go ahead and go with that one, Jody. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so this one's from Cohen. He is 14 years old and he asks, what is your favorite nursing skill or task to do as a nurse in the hospital? What is yours, Jody? My favorite skill is um, the IV. I love getting an IV every day, like Very every satisfying, day. Isn't it's it? just so satisfying. It, it never is. bothered me. You know, I mean, when I was really busy and, you know, I knew it was a hard stick and it was going to take up, it could take up a lot of time. You know, I didn't really enjoy it, but I was the nurse that other nurses would say, go ask Jody. 
And I would get up from my desk and, and just go like, even if I was in the middle of charting, because I don't know, I just loved it. And yeah. You mastered it. Evidently that reminds me of being in Maine, just, you know, for my recent trauma surgery that I just had to have, um, I make sure to put on my uh, consent, no student nurses or student doctors are to participate in my care because I, I knew I was in a situation that I did not want that. There's times I would be fine with it, but this was not one of them. And when it came time to leave, they had messed up and accidentally DC'd my IV before they gave me my last IV drug before I went on this long four-hour trek. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll just give you an oral. I'm like, no, no, no. We mapped this out. You're giving me my IV. Somebody's going to have to come back in here and start it. So they bring in a nursing student and they said, do you mind if he does your um, a start? And you could tell he was very tremulous, like he'd never done this before. I said, you know what? I lifted up my arm and showed them. I said, this is where the last student I let, you know, give me an injection. I said, I'm pretty bruised right now. I think I'm going to ask for your best expert actually. And I'd like him in here pretty quick. And it would have been a Jody. I would have wanted in there because we need to <laughs> yeah. go. We yeah, go and like, I was one shot, interested. Michelle. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I would, you know, I would come in in the middle of the night, and people would say, "Don't you want to turn a light on?" And I'm like, "No, I'm good." I, used to be <laughs> I the said, same "I way. said it's all about feeling it, yeah. but looking at it's not going to do anything." Um, one thing so I would need to do is look at the bevel. I could never, I can't see that anymore because my God, my eyes are so dissolved. Right, you know? right. But the vein, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. about, it's about what you feel, not what you see. So. What was your favorite thing, Kimberly? Um, well, like Jody, IVs. I, I loved, I loved the IV. There's something so satisfying about uh, getting that IV, especially when you can get it on the first stick, and especially when nobody else could get it. You're like, done. Um, mm -hmm. But so that was one. I actually did a lot of uh, wound care. I was uh, working in a CVICU, so we did a lot of cardiovascular, uh, vascular um, amputations, and, and things of that nature. So I enjoyed that somewhat. Um, you know, it's funny. I was going to say as far as tasks go, it would be wound care. So yeah. skill would Dressing be, yeah, yeah, dress, um, IV. Oh, we're similar. I love those wounds. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah. I see, like, you know, like elbow up to my elbows. And <laughs> right. Um, so he's probably, Cohen's probably wondering what we're talking about, like up to the elbows. Do you want to <laughs> yeah, describe some, what happens? Yeah. When, some of these wounds are, uh, what's the word cavernous yeah uh, cavernous. Uh -huh. they tunnel word? you got tunneling tunnel. that usually happens but mm -hmm. when you have breakdown so cohen you know you know how when you're sitting on um sitting down for a while or laying down in the same position and your body tells you like to move because it's like falling asleep quote unquote that falling asleep means that the blood is not getting there anymore and it's your body that's waking you up to be like, you need to move to get blood flowing here. Mm -hmm. Well, when people are so sick, they, they don't move very well. Right. Or sometimes they can't move on their own at all. So we have to go in and turn them or their caregiver needs to turn them. And what that means is like propping up a little pillow on the side or taking a foot up off the bed a little bit. But if they don't, what starts to happen within 24 hours is your body starts uh, breaking down. The skin starts breaking down. It, it happens very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so that's how wounds um, start. And they call them bed sores. And, um, and the bed sores can be so bad that you can literally go up to your elbow, like from the bottom side. So yeah, it's I wild. I saw inside of it's wild. entire 
an entire yeah. pelvis bone from a bed sore on somebody's hip. You could see completely inside of them. It was so terrible. Yeah, some of the, I mean, I've seen some really gnarly wounds, but yeah. um, there was there was something about that. And then being able to watch those wounds heal um, mm. based on the care that you provided. You know, I think that there's a lot of, again, I like things that are satisfying, <laughs> you know, th things you could like check off or like I, I'm a big yeah. list maker. I like to like cross stuff off. So anything mm -hmm. that's really satisfying like that. Um, so again, getting an IV or, uh, you know, watching those wounds heal for, for the care that we provide, I think is very satisfying. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one I didn't like. What's that? Oh God. I hate Girl, it. I wonder if it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hate the urinary calf. I, I was going to uh, say, okay. yes, I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but listen, it's, it's, it can be, you, sometimes you need a helper. Woo! Yeah. So um, that is not my favorite. And it's unpleasant for the patient, right? I mean, it's just mm -hmm. not a fun, um, it's not a fun thing all around. So catheterization <laughs> is probably my least favorite skill. Um, well, my favorite thing, um, and my both of, I was a high risk labor and delivery nurse. I could not, what my daughter is now a new graduate and she's just learning this skill and she has the same thrill I have about it. And it is called checking the cervical dilation of a woman who's in labor. And mm. it is something, you know, that um, once you have decided you're going to be a labor and delivery nurse, you know that you're going to have your hands on the most intimate parts of a woman. And if you've been called to this particular area of me the medical profession for women, um, you totally just appreciate and love what uh, the beauty and the uniqueness of women's bodies and the beauty of labor is that this uterus that has this base that's like this very hard donut at the very back of a woman's vagina is this hard, completely tight um, uh, donut. And that you're going to learn what one feels like that is 100% not in labor, 100% not pregnant. And they're hard and you can barely even put your fingertip in the, tit, the, the hole of the cervix. But as a woman goes into labor, that cervix gets thinner and thinner until it's paper thin and then it just evaporates away and, and stretches completely to the size of the baby's head. And it, I remember what it felt like to finally, I remember somebody telling me it's, you'll know she's five centimeters because it feels very similar to the bottom of a Coca-Cola can. And she gave me a Coca-Cola can to kind of feel with my index finger and my middle finger that that's what five centimeters feels like. And this is what the thickness of the effacement, 0% to 100% effacement and once you have found it and you feel it and you're able to interpret it and then also find the fontanelles of the baby's heads to know which way it's pointing to know if the baby's facing up or if the baby's facing down. I love that. Um, and that would probably be my favorite thing always was mastering that and getting to know. And it made women feel so good and satisfied that they knew that they were getting closer and closer. But if you had the bad news of nothing's changing. Right the discouragement the women had or if the baby was presenting in a way that it wasn't supposed to, like my firstborn baby came out facing up. I say, you know, the God meant for us to come bow down to the bow down to your creator facing down. And for those who come out facing up, you you start off your parents' life with hardship because it's so hard to birth the baby that's posterior and facing up, but it also makes the cervix change as well. So that was my favorite thing. I'm trying to think what my um, least favorite thing would be would um, I happened to work on a, in a hospital that actually did abortions. And um, I did not know that until I was already working there. 
And they informed me that little Miss Michelle was not going to be disallowed from the abortions. And I was like, um, I didn't have this power that Michelle has today that says, look at my face. I'm not doing it. You know, uh, that wasn't the Michelle of those days. Um, And they made it sure that I was going to have to deal with that. And the Lord did protect me from staying out of those abortions. Thank the Lord. But I will never forget the one day that a baby was born and it was with a very rare disorder called gastroxesis where there's um, th- no abdominal tissue, no muscle. It's like a little uh, clear bubble that you can see all the insides. And they said, Oh, Michelle, you have to go to the utility room and go see this baby because it is going to be like something you've never seen before. You'll probably never see it in your career. So I waited until people weren't going to be in the room. And it's really sad to say that it was put in the utility room, but it was, And um, he was wrapped up in a a little cloth. And when I unwrapped him, I saw him laying there about 20 weeks. And that was about the size of the whole palm of my hand. And I saw his heart still beating. And I was mortified that I was in this situation where I had to, that, that I realized he was still alive. And I picked him up and held him until his um, that his heart stopped beating. And as I was grieving there, waiting for that moment to pass, a doctor walked in that had delivered it and said, "Oh, Michelle, I need to send this to lab. Will you hear?" And he handed me he had he took a lid off of a container, and I knew, my brain knew what the container was, but my conscience didn't allow me at the moment to re- let it think about what it was. He pulled off the um, lid. It was about an eight inch wide. Um, lid and I and I just laid the, I let the little fella um, drop down into the water but it wasn't water it was formaldehyde and um, it was going off to lab to be studied because it was such a rare find and honestly as I watched his heart had already stopped beating but as I had watched him pass through the water through the formaldehyde I just felt like you know dirt was on my hands like my hands were involved and um, it ended. I ended up moving my position from that job to another hospital after that because I thought I just can't work in this environment. So, honestly, nursing always has moral issues and um, issues that we're going to have to face with either our patients' belief systems or our own belief systems, and something's going to cause us to have a conflict of our own conscious or our own conscientious objection, and we're going to have to act on it. And nothing like COVID just happened, you know put that upon our uh, culture of the medical community. But way back 36 years ago, that is what was happening inside of a private hospital. And it was my biggest, baddest moment in my career. That's heartbreaking. But yeah, thank God, you know, and it's so sad to me, like you said, that they put this baby that was still alive, and it was still a living being and they put that baby and they left it in a utility room and and to me that is just so disturbing i mean i understand that it was not viable but you know for me like like that baby was able to be in your hands you know and thank god for that 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 god placed you in that moment to be there for for that life and and as he passed because i i just don't believe anybody should have to pass alone like that um i'm i'm just heartbroken to hear that but yeah it's a life-changing story so we'll get on to another question that isn't quite so heavy um sarah is from new zealand and she actually said does anyone out there have a contact for nurses in New Zealand to who are affiliated? Um, I'm not sure what she means by that. I had to leave my hospital nursing position in New Zealand in October 21. So she's looking for contacts for nurses in New Zealand. And Kimberly, I wasn't sure whether or not um, remnant nursing would have any outside of a um, 
AmeriCo contacts. But so it, interestingly enough, Remnant Nursing, our PMA, our 508C1A PMA, we are global, we're worldwide. So we can take on nurses in other countries as well. We can take on nurses in New Zealand, Australia, uh, the UK, um, Canada. You can uh, come and practice under Remnant Nursing and under the protections of our PMA. Uh, you can also uh, as a come on as a client no matter where you are in the world. So I, I do implore anybody that is outside of the United States, we are not just restricted to the US. Um, we are able to work with nurses around the country. I mean, sorry, across uh, around the globe. So um, yeah, yeah, please feel free to reach out to us. It's info at nursefreedomnetwork.org and you can visit our website. It's remnantnursing.org. And if any other nurses are out there listening from New Zealand who want to send something in to Nurses Out Loud, you can go to our email on our platform, America. They can actually go to nurses at americaoutloud.com. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, directly. Nurses at americaoutloud.com. Great. So y'all send it there if you have something. And then here's another one from Lisa. That's a, a short and sweet one. Um, what probiotic and vitamins would you recommend one to take? So first of all, we don't give out medical advice to anyone here, but we do know that the America out loud dot shop has so much of what you may be looking for there. And the recommendations are coming from a lot of the doctors here. Plus we have TWC health, that you can, we can put a link in this show note and let you go check out TWC where you can find those, uh, any kind of products, whether it be from Dr. Zelenko's, Dr. McCullough's, or any other wonderful doctors that have put together some wonderful products. But on our Nurses Out Loud, on America Out Loud, we have Dr. Artis um, Ely and Schmidt who also have supplements that are available through theirs in the shop as well. Girls, you don't have anything else? Yeah, I like uh, Chemical Free Body and um, and Dr. Artis, um, his, his line of products. Those are the two of my favorite ones. So I'll go there first and then um, yeah. and then look at others. And I'll, I'll second Jody's and I also use a chemical free body. Uh, Tim James is uh, my, my health coach as well. And, um, I, I've been using the green 85 supplement, the gut detox, uh, toxin detox and, um, the turmeric, turmeric 100, which has uh, been working really well for me. But, you know, the other thing I will say, uh, you know, that again, we don't, um, give medical advice per se, but the other thing I will say, and that's why I really don't like, um, recommending supplements or, or things like that, because listen, healthcare is not one size fits all, right? It's so individualized. And that's why I love what we do at Remnant Nursing, because we look at each individual person and we make an individualized wellness plan um, based on their specific needs, what may they be deficient in and what may, you know, what they might need. So I think that looking at each person as an individual is always, always the way to go. Yeah. And you have to make sure that, um, the supplements don't, you know, how they're made, what, what else is in them? Yeah. yeah that's a tricky one, except, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's just so many out there, you know what yes. I mean? Anybody I just, can slap a label on it. That's, right. You really yeah. have to look at what, what is inside, uh, some of, some of these, even though, and, and greenwashing is a thing, right? The, making things appear to be uh, healthy and when they're anything but. 
you know, right. So. And fancy labels, mm-hmm. um, use of words, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, I'm down. Uh, I've been working with uh, chemical free body now for three months and mm-hmm. I, I just feel great. I'm down almost 20 pounds. And um, if Jody has a link to that. We'll put that in the show notes as mm-hmm. well for this show. Do you have one, Jody? Yes. Put? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just interviewed somebody who was a pharmacist. He said he went to the only pharmacy school in the country that during the 90s required, I think it was 90 hours of um, natural pharmaceutical teaching. So he is part of that movement and that is actually trying to come up with solutions that are non-pharmaceutical, even though he's a pharmacist and he sees the place for some pharmaceuticals. And he said, you definitely want to get supplements that are pharmaceutical grade, I believe is the way he put it. Even though he's not pro-pharmacy, meaning um, drugs, he means that you can actually say vitamin C of 500 milligrams and it actually only have 10 milligrams of vitamin C in it. If it's not pharmacy grade, I think that was the word he used was grade. And I will be having a show about with him soon. So that will hopefully help address that too. So thanks ladies for sharing your views on that. There's another quick one from a woman by the name of Jody that says, where can I find the exemption letter for nursing schools? Has this been used for nurses working in hospitals? Well, um, that is a big thing. Um, all of us, either on our Instagram platforms, um, Nurse Kimberly, whether she's doing it as her Nurse Freedom Network, and Jody and I both on Instagram and other platforms are reached out all the time for people who are in desperate situations with nursing schools. So I will put in the show notes the link to No College Mandates, who I just interviewed uh, recently, and that nocollegemandates.com, that they can help you not only with exemptions, but they can also help you with lawyers. And these schools do need to experience litigation because um, in the case of Tom's versus Maricopa County Community College, they only lost about 50000 in legal fees. And apparently that wasn't enough money lost for them because the very next year they were shoving the COVID-19 vaccine down the next set of nursing students' throats. And um, apparently it's going to have to be millions. So they have a list of lawyers on their site ready to pick up your case and deal something with. A recent set of girls I was working with they, they want to sue after they finish their nursing program, after going through, lit, they put them through hell over getting their um, religious accommodation and then um, not having to get caught up on all their childhood vaccinations. So it's ridiculous. It's still happening, Jody, out there. Um, and I can give you the links to the um, shows I did where I help you know how to write a religious exemption letter. But you can even reach out to Liberty Council as well. They actually will take on your case for free and um, write you an exemption letter as well, and it will be done legally for them. So I write it as if I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer wannabe, but I know the legal terms and I use them. And somehow the hospitals all think a lawyer wrote it, so um, it works. Did you know? Or oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was like, did you know that um, uh, attorneys is like a really popular second career for many nurses? So there's many nurses that have turned uh, to to be an attorney. Probably nurses like myself who've seen the trauma that Mm -hmm. patients and the injustice that parent patients experience or the medical injury that patients experience. Absolutely. If I if I wasn't so opposed to going back to school, because to me, it's all just part of that same system and feeds the same beast like I'm done with all of it. So um, I I just I can't do it. But I, I think it would be a great, a great career for a nurse. This one. Well, Go ahead. And, and real quick, um, if you go to um, TWC, or you could put the link in the in the show notes, they also offer um, 
medical exemptions. They do. They sure do. That's right. Yeah. But I think you do get charged. There may be a charge for it there, but it's not. There's a charge. I mean, yeah. we're at the point where people are charging. You know I what I mean? Liberty I think Liberty Council does not, though. 200. So if you have, to, for some reason, I think they do not. Liberty Council is supported really well financially as I think there are 5013C in that. I'm not positive, oh, nice. but that's two sources that you could possibly get it from. And then I give you free help by just, you, it's already written for you. You just Michelle, look at it. It's does, already written. Does Liberty Council give you medical exemptions or religious exemptions? Because there's definitely a. Yeah, it would be probably the religious exemptions yeah. only. So for the TWC. medical exemptions, I think, yeah, I think TWC is the one of the only ones that I know of. Yeah. Right. And it's ridiculous. We all agree. We It needs to get to the place where we can have personal exemptions where I say, I choose not to. Thank you very much. Not and, even like, not even exemption because I'm not asking you permission. I'm right. just telling you, <laughs> I'm just telling you, I am not injecting this drug into my body. Thank you and have a nice day, period. Like I'm not asking anybody's permission. It's ridiculous that we, we, we are sovereign. And we, there's no, I'm not asking permission. Practice what Kimberly <laughs> just said in front of the mirror, saying it just like she said it, and then just walk mm-hmm. up to them and say it just like yeah. that. Yeah, that's just like right. That. <laughs> just like that. Absolutely not. No, I do not want this experimental drug injected into my body. Thank you and have a nice day. And one last quickie is um, Kristen. She's pretty much on the same vein, so I'm going to go ahead and use her. But it, um, it was a time, it's a time sensitive thing and it, it will be provided in the show notes that her daughter is a sophomore a nursing student at Elon University in North Carolina. Her um, religious exemption was accepted on admission. We were told we were good. New nursing director is saying she needs the Tdap by a certain date uh, before her clinical rotation is required. And she's gotten info from the site that the uh, they will honor the, the the school will honor an exemption that is written for a medical reason. I have this in writing, but nursing is insisting that um, she will not share her con- that she will not share the contact or um, documentation from her previous exemption. They're going to force her to have to do another exemption for the Tdap that she's already gone through for the COVID nineteen vaccine. So th- th- we I keep running into this. A recent student that got a COVID nineteen vaccine exemption was uh, two months into the school, and the school then said, oh, wait, wait, you d- you now have to have a flu shot that we didn't address during your orientation period, and you didn't get that done, so we're going to need you to fill out a medical exemption because you can't get a religious exemption for a flu shot, only for a COVID-19 vaccine. I thought, what absurdity is this? Like, So the worldwide pandemic, you can get a re- religious exemption for that vaccine, but the regular flu that comes around every year, we can't get a religious exemption for that. So You can get religious exemptions for it, but they're probably using they're, the argument that it's um, under EUA, it's experimental, so they're not forcing it, but the flu and Tdap and all that has been around for years. That's probably what they're saying. And, and again, like, stop asking permission. We don't need their permission. And that's what people don't understand. And the the power lies with the people. If enough people would stand up and say, no, we're not doing this, you know, they don't have any choice but to accept no for an answer, but not enough people. Do you know how many people probably don't really give a damn about these shots or want these shots one way or the other? Probably right. the majority of people. And they're just doing it because that they think that they have to be compliant and they don't know any other way. It's not that they feel like it's going to protect them in any sort of way. As I was saying, um, Michelle, on our last episode that we did together, how many years did I take the flu shot, right? Just because I didn't want mm-hmm. the, the hassle of having to wear a mask for flu season. And then once COVID rolled, it was never because I thought that the flu vaccine was going to offer me any type of protection. Right. Um, so once COVID came around and, you know, we were having to mask up anyway, and they they came around with the flu shots, I was like, no, I don't want one. 
And they said, but why not? And I said, well, we have to wear masks anyway. Who gives a damn? That was the only reason I ever got it to begin with. Well, so yeah. I wouldn't have to wear a mask. Dr. Dr. McCullough on Q&A number 88 here on America Out Loud just actually said, how differently would the world look right now if just the COVID-19 vaccine had only just been voluntary? If it had mm-hmm. never been mandated, wouldn't this right. be such a different outcome? And, and for those of you who are out there suffering because of the vaccine, we do understand you are that way. And for Kristen, um, I'll just finish with this, that the Tdap, the thing that's odd about that particular vaccine is that they combined um, non-transmissibles with a transmissible. So like tetanus is the T in the Tdap, and it's not transmissible. And diphtheria hasn't been around for decades, and pertussis is really the only reason why they're asking about that. So we'll address that on a later show. But thank you for sending in your questions, and we look forward to hearing some more questions from you all. And thank you, ladies, for coming on and doing the Q&A with me today. Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. Yes. Great Q&A with Nurse Jody and Nurse Kimberly. I'm going to be putting in my show notes some articles that have addressed some of the topics today. One of the articles is called Locked Out of Learning, Discrimination in U.S. Colleges Over Vaccine Policies, and that's regarding nocollegemandates.com, bringing solutions and legal access, and that you can actually sign some petitions as well. And another article will be in the show notes called Suffering Versus Speaking Out, Consequences of Vaccine Injury. If you're among the people out there that have been vaccine injured and you're looking for solutions for detox, you'll find a lot of resources in that article. Um, If you're a nursing student that's being bullied by nursing schools or clinicals forcing you to get vaccines against your conscience, check out the article with the legal citations uh, with the precedent-setting case that we referenced in this Q&A, Toms versus Maricopa County Community College. The battle has already been won for you. So just get that information from that citation in the article called Courage Among Nursing Students, Precedents Against Mandates. Also, there, if you're looking for the right wording to put into a religious exemption because you are being mandated to testify for what your religious beliefs are that prohibit you from receiving the COVID vaccine, check out this um, article that has a PDF at- attachment that I did. Um, you can tweak it to change up the wording to match your own situation and be empowered that your school employer or clinical facility is breaking federal Title VII law to even ask you to do this. So make sure that they learn a thing or two when they read it. And the article is entitled America's Nursing Schools Forcing COVID Vaccines. We briefly touched on looking at mask mandates, and if you are facing that battle right now, I have a whole bunch of citations for you to get some help for that as well, including 170 mask studies that show the harms and lack of effectiveness of the masks. Please be one of the medical professionals that actually takes your brain and that um, science to those that are making policies that are counterintuitive to science, and why don't you... um, be the one that brings the battle to them and get some policy changes in your community. We are in a war for truth and we want to help everyone have the resources they need to fight those battles. Nurses Out Loud is in the battle with you. Until next week. It's time